praise the Lord. Those of you that have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Brother Danny, the title of my message tonight is Put It On and Don't Take It Off. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Hostclaw asked us to read this every day during the revival, starting with verse 11. And while reading it one day last week, the Lord began to deal with my heart on this particular scripture, so just bear with me tonight. As Brother Butch says, listen to what the Word of God has to say. It says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Brother Larry, would you ask the blessing, Larry Joyner? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again, Father, for this day and for this privilege, Father, of meeting together again tonight. Father, we, yes. we ask for your anointing of Sister Holtzclaw. Father, she bring forth and breaks the bread of life. Father, we ask that you would anoint each and every one that's here this night. Father, that they might be able to take thy word with thee tonight and use it in each and every day of their life. And Father, we ask this of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. As the choir sang, Come Unto Jesus, I thought how very, very appropriate this was, and they didn't even know what I was going to speak on tonight. Because there's a uh, phrase in it says, He'll show you how to live. And I think tonight, if we really want to know how to live day by day, we can search the Word of God, and it's going to come forth in abundance of telling us what to do and how to live and how to have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The Scripture says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, How in the world can I put on Jesus Christ? He's been dead almost 2,000 years. And yet he came back in the form of the Comforter. But that's a spirit. How do I put it on? Well, my friend, it's very easy. You put on the characteristics and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you repented at this altar, that's exactly what you began to do from that moment forth. When you were baptized in his beautiful name, this goes on with putting on more of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you rose up speaking in tongues, this was the fulfillment. But it was a fulfillment to the extent that now you've got to grow in it. And this is what's so beautiful. It says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, there's a message right there in that part of it. If somebody wanted to go on and take this and make not provisions for the flesh, you could stop right there and they think, well, why do we work? Why do we go about our daily toils? Why do we clean house? Why do we cook meals? Because that's part of the flesh. But the scripture says to fulfill the lust thereof. So it didn't say you weren't to take care of this flesh. There's a very special reason why you're supposed to take care of it. But you're not supposed to fulfill the lust thereof. I searched this, uh, one of the Bibles Brother Hothclaw has, and it says to put on has many, many different connotations. But this particular one is called enduo. It says to put on another. To put on another. And I thought, well, now that's kind of strange. What exactly did that mean? And, but the most beautiful thing was the reference it had. And its reference was in Galatia 27, 3 and 27. 
It says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Well, my goodness sakes, how many of us has put on Christ? How many of us has been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Satan tonight would have us to get confused about the mode of baptism that we're supposed to do. But this one scripture in Galatians should be enough because it says you put on Christ when you've been baptized into Christ. That's the only way you can do it is to be baptized into him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Search the book of Acts and there's no place in the book of Acts or anywhere else in the scriptures you're going to find that they baptized any other way except in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Christ. Oh, I praise God for that wonderful truth because many, many years I searched for that truth. I had a hunger in my heart and when a young girl, I would go from church to church and believe me, you can find my name on a lot of membership lists. And I left it there. I didn't see any need to take it away because they didn't satisfy what was in my soul. But I kept along and I kept looking and I kept searching. And bless his heart, my Presbyterian pastor said, Sister, said, Honey, you're going to find what you're looking for, but you're not going to find it in this church. And I thought that was a peculiar thing to say because I loved Reverend Hoiser with all my heart. He, to me, was the greatest pastor I'd ever had. But I kept telling him, Pastor, this doesn't seem right. What this church is allowing to do, it doesn't seem right. They drank beer in the church, in the, in the gymnasium part, and I didn't think that was right. And my father was an alcoholic, and I thought if you were a Christian, you wouldn't do things the sinners did. And he, many times he'd just put his hand on my shoulder and he'd say, Sis, he says, you're going to find what you want, but you're not going to find it in this church. When I met Brother Hoseclaw, he was a sinner too. He was never a goody good boy at that time. And for all you girls that think he was, forget it. <laughs> but nevertheless, I told him about his father and being in the apostolic pastor in the apostolic church, the apostolic faith. He said, you follow it. You'll find what you're looking for. And I said, but Reverend Hoyser, can't you give me what I'm looking for? And he said, no, I can't. See, he had already baptized me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. But he couldn't take me any farther than that. And when I was at the altar and I was seeking the Lord and I said, God, I want something. I, I need you. I need some more. A dear little saint come along, and I know their name. I'll not mention it. Picked me up. Said, you prayed enough. Said, now go get baptized. So I went and got baptized. But, oh, I praise God. I praise the Lord. Because when I got down here, my father-in-law was never one to let grass burn under his feet or however it says grow under his feet he got me down and he began to expound to me the scriptures of Jesus Christ well it didn't take long and I was baptized in that name and when I was filled with the Holy Ghost I tell you that was the most beautiful thing in the world and I thought thank you brother Hoiser thank you Reverend Hoiser I'm so thankful that you told me to go on that there was more and I couldn't find it in that particular church but he was a beautiful man and I praise God for him. Also, whenever we put on Lord Jesus Christ, we're supposed to take off this corruptible body and we're supposed to put on an incorruptible. Corruptible is sinful body, the fleshly body, the lustful body. This is what we put off. Too many times we think, oh well, we're just human. We make mistakes and we sin. Every day you're supposed to sin a little. That's a lie of the devil. You'll never find that in the scripture anywhere. You don't have to sin at all. 
you got the Holy Ghost leading your life, you don't have to sin at all. If you sin, it's because of this flesh, not because of the leadership of the Holy Ghost, not because of the putting on of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also in the same scripture in Corinthians, it says, and this mortal must put on immortality. This flesh and blood has got to live so close to the power of the Holy Ghost and so close to God that when it comes time in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, we put on immortality. We can go into the spiritual kingdom of God. We can live with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. We don't have to worry about a spot or a blemish being on our bodies, on our soul, on our spirit, anywhere. If we have taken and lived as we should according to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have put him on and we haven't taken him off. We should live by God's word. I think if you'll remember in Matthew, Satan tempted Jesus one time. And it says, you've been on a fast all these days. Now turn these stones into bread. But Jesus come back at him and says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. Jesus knew the secret. The secret is, it is written. It's in the written word of God that we get our substance and our daily life. It's not from going to a table and eating all this beautiful food we've had brought into us this past two weeks. It's not that. But it's the word of God whereby we live, whereby we grow. And it's the necessary part of our life. We can go without food several days, but I'll guarantee you one thing. In order to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't go without a spiritual food that long. You're going to get in trouble. You are going to sin. And one of the blessed sisters was talking to me before church, and she just got a spiritual whipping from the Lord. And I'll tell you, they're not very good to have. Because you will get that spanking. God will literally spank you with his own way. Not a physical spanking like we give our children when they're disobedient. But he has his own way. And brother and sister, the only way to undo that is to pray, repent, and read the word of God. And learn that word of God. Praise the Lord. If it's necessary, God can feed us on the manna from heaven. He fed the children of Israel. Why do we take account of this? Why do we worry about it? We're, we put out things that we should put the Word of God first. Every morning we should get up, get our children out of bed, get them around that table and say, let's pray, let's read. At least a few scriptures start their day off right. You're cheating your children if you're not doing it. I know we live both ways. And we found out the best way to live is to get those children around that table while they're small. You get the word of God into them at that time. You can't do it after they're grown and married. You've got to do it while they're small. Make that word important. Don't you pick up the Bible and say, oh, well, we've just got ten minutes. So we're going to you read a few scriptures. Well, maybe we won't pray today. You're telling your children the word of God in prayer is not effective. But if you say, hey, it's time to read the word of God and we're going to pray. Oh, mom, I don't want to. I got to pick up my books. I can't find my arithmetic. Where's my history? 
Forget it. It's time to read the Bible and pray. This is important. But, Mom, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't have it and take it to school today. We're going to get in all kinds of trouble. That's your fault. You should have had it there last night. It's time to read the Bible and pray. This is putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't do it. You don't run around outside without your clothes on, and that's pretty blunt. You get up every morning and you put them on and make yourself presentable to go out into the world. What makes you think you can't put on the Spirit of God and make yourself presentable to go out into the world and be a more effective witness for God? You don't get by with it. The world can see your spiritual nakedness whenever you fail to do it. They not only see it, they feel it. And that's worse for a Christian. Praise the Lord. Daily living. Every family. And then you break it down from the family to the individuals. From the smallest child to the oldest member of the family. I thank God this last few weeks I've had the privilege and the opportunity of having my grandchildren in my home. And I've also had the privilege of having my dear mother-in-law in my home. That was from the youngest to the oldest matriarch in our living family now. But the beauty of it was every one of them could talk about God. Even the littlest one, even Mark Daniel could talk about Jesus. And Stephen was thrilled with Jesus. And Rachel says, how come last night Granddad didn't minister to us? She's learned a new word during this revival, and that's minister. You see, it pays to serve Christ. It pays to put Jesus on every day to your children and let them know who it is. And my mother-in-law was so thrilled because she could see the results of our doing that. And I don't mean to put us up on a pedestal. God just let us fall into it and we did it. And now we're witnesses that it can be done. But all four of our children and our foster son is in the work of the Lord. And we're so thankful for it. And it looks like all of our grandchildren are going to come up the same way. Because I had a father-in-law and a mother-in-law that dared tell me the truth and told me I had to put on all of Jesus Christ. I tell you, it just makes your heart, Brother Wiggy, it just makes you thrill. And it just makes you praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, he said, Boy, study to show yourself approved. Well, when you look at that, I think every minister in this congregation has preached it. To show yourself approved minister. But I'd like to say it this way tonight. I want you to study to show yourself that you're approved of God. When you come to a personal trial and a personal trouble, when you can look at this and you can quote this scripture, even if it's a part of a scripture, and you can say, Satan, you're not going to get me because the word of God saith thus and thus and thus. And this is what fits my situation tonight. Today, right now, at noontime. You're not going to get me, Satan, because this is what the Word of God says. You've approved yourself. It's a feeling inside of accomplishment because you stood before the powers of hell that are eons and eons of years old and you said you shall not do it by the grace of God and by the Word of God because it is written. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's another approval too. Approval to God that you're sincere when you put him on. When Satan comes at you and tries to buffet you and tells you you're a liar and there's no good thing inside of you, you know you can lift your hands toward heaven and if you're where you can't, you can lift your heart toward heaven and you can say, oh no, Satan, you're a liar because inside of me is the Holy Ghost and that's all good. All of it, there's not anything. You, can, you cannot point, Satan, your finger at one thing at the Holy Ghost and say there's anything wrong with it because it's pure, it's good, it's holy. And Satan has to back off. He has to leave you alone because you prove to God that you're going to stand for him under the most adverse circumstances. You're not going to give up. You're not going to quit. Then you have to prove to your neighbors, hey, look, I said I'm a Christian, but uh uh-oh, how's your life? How's your neighborhood life? Does your neighbor hear you scream at your kids and fight at your husband? Oh, but I'm a Christian. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Where's the godly love? Where's the love for your family? Where's the appreciation for your family? I know I get mad enough at Brother Hosequall, I could wring his neck. But you know something? It's not any of the neighbor's business and it's not yours. No, it's not. When we can have one of our biggest spats, you're not going to know it. Because we're going to both walk in here lovey-dovey because it's none of your business. You're not about to point a finger at either one of us and say, if the preacher and his wife can't make it, we can't make it either. Brother and sister, we love each other. And what we do in the privacy of our own home is none of your affair as far as our personal life is concerned because we don't have to spread it around. You see, we're going to repent over that thing. We're going to make it right with each other may take a day or two, don't, don't, not usually that long, but it may take a little while. But we're going to repent over it. But if you find out about it, you won't know when. And it's going to stay in your mind, and it's going to trouble you. Well, I wonder what they've said, I wonder what they've done, and here goes the devil just blowing your mind out of proportion. And most of our problems is over something like he won't pick up his socks. Just for your information, most of it's something like that. And that's silly, isn't it? Okay. Now now let the devil just, that's a black eye. He just got one. Because now, uh-oh, what's the preacher and his wife starting to have arguments about? What do they have problems about? All right, he just got a black eye. Because you're not going to have vain imaginations anymore. But my neighbors don't know about it. And my brothers and sisters in the church don't know about it. I'm approved. I have shown myself approved. I don't think I've got a neighbor in town that can tell the truth and tell that I don't love God and I don't serve God to the best of my ability. I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm not ashamed to say, hey, look, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And this is something we've all got to learn that we've got to do. This is part of this studying to show yourself approved. This is very much a part of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, of being able to say, hey, I'm sorry, as much as being able to say, I'm right and you're wrong. I've heard this so much between people, but I've never heard them say, I'm sorry. And it's wrong. It's wrong. 
you should say you're sorry if you've done something that's not right. Boys and girls, you should say something like, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, when you've done something that's not right. I told you, Waylon, I was going to preach right at you tonight. But you know, the, one of the biggest persons that you should make to study to show yourself approved, and that's your enemy. The man or the woman out here on the street that absolutely despises the very ground you walk on. A lot of times it's just simply because you have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But other times it could be because you were born in poverty row or you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth or just because your great aunt ran away with their great uncle. This happens a lot of times. But you've got to study to show yourself approved unto your deepest hatefulest, cruelest enemy. You owe them that. Because when God moves, he's going to move in their life. And I have seen people that absolutely couldn't stand me. They didn't like me. A lot of times the way I wore my hair, the way I dressed, the way I talked, the way I acted, they couldn't stand me. But there's one thing that they couldn't bring a false witness against me is to say that my Christian life wasn't what it was supposed to be. Because God had taught me the lesson a long time ago. You study to show yourself approved to all of these. You speak the words of God. In your conversation, you praise the Lord. You leave off cursing. You leave off the filthy jokes. That's no way to magnify and glorify God is to tell a dirty joke. There's no way you're going to do it. You praise the Lord. In your actions, at your home, at your work, or at your play, your very actions, girls and boys, speak louder than any words you can scream at your playmates of your peers in school. Are you ashamed of your brother? When they walk down the hall and one of your peers says, Well, there goes that old holy roller. They belong to the apostolic church. Do you say, Yeah, that's him all right. Or do you say, Hey, wait a minute, I go there too. You know, there was a thing going around when my kids was in school. They were pretty proud of one another. And they'd say, Hey, they go to my church. No, they're not perfect. But they go to my church and I like them. Let's don't talk about it no more. Amen. You see, there's a lot of this not around anymore because the devil is there and the devil don't want you to acknowledge who goes to your church and that you even go to it because you want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and Satan don't want you to. Right. Do you ever stop to think about that? Satan does not want the teenagers to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want the grade schoolers to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't want mom and dad to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do you portray Christ to your kids at home? Do you let them get by with everything in the world? That's not putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. He has rules. He has stipulations. He has discipline. Come on, mom and dad. That's home. I don't advocate beating a child, not to death, but there is a place God made that's very well padded that it's supposed to be put to use that way. And I'm not talking about their little fat cheeks either. Here, it's the other side. 
supposed to speak the word of God in deeds. I think the other night, Brother Hoskall preached the most beautiful message on the paraclete. I tell you, I can't get away from it. Because when you begin to do the deeds of the paraclete and let him work through you, he's going to comfort you, he's going to be your advocate, he's going to be your lawyer, he's going to be your counselor. And yet, whenever a brother or sister or somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, I need some help, I'm in trouble. I don't care if they're a sinner, if they belong to another church, uh, I don't care who they are. If they say that and you say, well, God, I can't do this, what can I do? And all of a sudden you can say, oh, Holy Ghost, help me. And then all of a sudden you're able to help them, you're able to comfort them, you're able to counsel them, you're able to be their lawyer. In other words, you're able to take their side in a situation or open up their eyes and say, hey, now that wasn't quite right, that was a little on the shady side. But that's the Holy Ghost that's able to give you that. It's not you. But it's a paraclete. And the paraclete eats and feeds and feasts when you study the word of God to show yourself approved. And in through doing that, you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Also in Romans, just above this, in verse 13, it talks about some things that Christians don't do. Now, you don't do this if you're a Christian and put on Christ. It says, let us walk honestly in the day. That's what you're supposed to do. Not in rioting. Not starting fights. Not with your fists. Not with your words. And most of all, not with your brothers and sisters. In other words, telling a part of a truth and not telling the whole truth. You're not supposed to start a riot says you're not supposed to get drunk. If you're a Christian, you're not going to get drunk. That means liquor, and that also means drugs, because it's a form of drug. But you know something else? Some people get drunk on their own self, their own persuasions. And you're not supposed to do that either. You're not to think you're greater and mightier than what you actually truly are. Because you're nothing, and I'm nothing, except for the Holy Ghost. That's what makes us what we are. Other than that, we can put ourselves down. But God lifts us up again. He makes people look at you and say, hey, you're something. It's not you. It's God. Praise the Lord. The other one says, not in chambering. And in the Amplified Versions, it says, not in immorality. Seeking fleshly pleasures Christians don't go about doing this those that have put on the Lord Jesus Christ you don't go about doing this you don't seek fleshly pleasures if something takes you out of church on your church night brother and sister that's a fleshly pleasure I don't care what it is do you know we don't have any excuse for missing church not even broken toilets Excuse me, Brother Butch, restrooms. We don't. We don't have a legal excuse. There isn't any right this very moment I can name you. Possibly your pastor could stand up and tell you exactly what would be an excuse. But I can't think of one why you should miss church. If you're sick, come to church. Get prayer and rise up. 
Let me ask you something. Does the doctor come to your house anymore when you're sick? No, does he? No, you go to the office. This is Dr. Jesus' office, if you please. And these are his physicians that are his handymen that work out there and do his work. Come on. Oh, Brother Hosequah's sick. Why isn't he well? I don't know. Ask the doctor. That's the great physician. These physicians, these doctors have done what they could for him. They pray. None of every time somebody comes in over there, Dr. Aquinas, do they get healed? Do they get well? The first time? Do they come back? And back and back and back? So tell me something. Why should we get frustrated with God? We'll go over there and we'll give him $15. We'll go down to the lab and we'll give them another $25 or more, probably more. But when we come to this altar, Jesus is the one that paid it. Jesus paid it. Now why stay homesick? There isn't one earthly, fleshly pleasure that should keep you from the house of God. It isn't a boat trip, fishing trip, nothing should keep you from God's house if we're having service that night because there is something on God's table that you're... And there's a lot of Christians tonight that are weak simply because they stayed away from the table of God when God put forth the meal on it. Oh, hallelujah. We're not to be quarrelers either. That goes at home. That goes at work. And that comes to the church. We're not to quarrel. If you have aught against your brother or sister, the instant it happens, you go straighten it out. Don't you let it build up into something that's big. And the same thing goes with you at your job or with your place of employment. The scripture says this, that you're supposed to give your master, which is your employer, an honest day's work. And if you've got ought against it, you better straighten it out. It's not being fair. And Christians are supposed to be very fair people, honest people. Matter of fact, it says walk honestly. Numerous times in the scriptures you'll find out where we're supposed to be honest. If we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are supposed to be honest. And we're not supposed to be jealous. And there again, that goes in the home. That goes in your work. If somebody else puts out a better day's work than you do, thank God they're able to do it, but you do the best you can. And you kids, don't get jealous of one another. Mom and Dad loves you. They may not love you in the same capacity because who can love a stubborn, rebellious child at the time they're being rebellious? But then again, look over here. Who can love one that's sneaky? But you love them because that one that's rebellious is quick to repent. And that one that's sneaky is very lovable and tells you they love you all the time. Come on. Come on, kids, no jealousy in the home. Mom and Dad, no jealousy in the home. Don't get jealous because your kid says, I love you, Mommy, and then looks over at Daddy with the sharp eyes and say, I don't care a thing for you today. Wait your turn. Next week you'll be loved and Mommy won't. Been around kids enough to know that works on two feet, too. I think one of the most important points is when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ is to remember that your body is the temple of God. 
It was so important, as a matter of fact, it was recorded in three different places in the Bible. And when you find something recorded over once, it's extremely important. But when you find it recorded three or four times on down the line, brother and sister, you better not overlook that because that's essential to your daily life. But in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, it says, Know ye not that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? very spirit did you ever think about when you walked to work or when you walked around wherever you walked and what you did that you're a church within yourself you're a temple within yourself did you ever think about that you cannot receive the baptism of the holy ghost and leave it at home and go out on a date and do things that's ungodly you can't do it god goes right with you he sees everything that goes on. You cannot go out behind the barn and do things that goes on out behind the barn without God being there. Come on. God's there. In first, Second Corinthians 6 and 16, it says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I told you he wouldn't leave you alone. No matter where you go or what you do, you are not ever alone. I don't care how dark it is out here at night, you're not alone if you've got the Holy Ghost. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you're not alone. You don't have to worry about the things around you. You can begin to sing the praises of God as Paul and Silas did and Paul and Barnabas did. And you can just begin to worship the Lord and have the Spirit of the Lord come down. And who knows, you might even have 10,000 angels around you by the time you quit glorifying God. And there's no power on hell that can come forth and do that. I'm reminded of Sister McCarty. They, was, they tell a story on her. That one time she was praying in India. goes out at your house. It's pitch black. They waited, and they waited, and they waited. And the next morning, one of them got brave enough to walk up to Sister McCarty and says, Tell me, what went on at your house last night? Did you have a great time? Did you have a party? And she said, No. She says, At my usual time, I turned out the lights and went to bed. And they said, But there was these white people dressed in white and said they kept going in and out of your house and around and around and said your house was lit up like daylight praise the lord praise the lord wasn't nothing but the angels of god protecting over us and that over her and that's what will happen to us you don't have to be afraid of satan at any time you have the Holy Ghost, you have the Comforter, you have the Paraclete living inside of you, and you have the Lord Jesus Christ put on you, what have you got to be afraid of? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, God, it's written, What? What? Utter amazement, shock. What? Know ye not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
You're not your own. But I like to do this, this little thing over here. But I want to go over here and do my own thing. The, the saying now is do your own thing. I want to do it. You can't do it. After you get the Holy Ghost, you can't do it without you steal. When you use something without permission, what's it called? Stealing? Thievery? Ripping it off? This scripture says, and ye are not your own. You go where the Holy Ghost leads you. You say what the Holy Ghost has to say to you. You work the way the Holy Ghost tells you to work. You witness when the Holy Ghost tells you to witness. And you do exactly what the Holy Ghost tells you what to do. Because you have no right to do anything else. When you were at this altar and you repented. Repentance means to change over. To change your ways. When you say, God, I'm sorry I smoked that last cigarette. It's a filthy habit and I'm sorry. What you're actually saying is, I ain't going to do it no more. Excuse my English. When you were down there, whatever you confessed to God, that means you're not going to do it anymore. And when you rise up in the newness of life, in baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost, that's just exactly what you did. You turned your body over to be the temple of God, and you're not your own anymore. You don't have a right to have temper tantrums because that's not of God. You don't have a right to be bullheaded because that's not of God. But Sister Hosko, how do I cope with it? What do I do? You study to show yourself approved. You pray, you fast, you attend church, you feed your soul continually and you believe every message that comes from this pulpit belongs to you not your brother not your sister but it's me oh lord that's who the message comes from there's something in every message that fits every one of us we don't have to take everything if you're not a committing adultery you sure as a world wouldn't take adultery but if you are telling little lies you take that But what if I fail? What if I do something wrong? Sister Hoskall, what do I do? I've already backslid. No, you haven't. Go to that altar and repent and tell God you're sorry and help you and give you the mercy and the grace to overcome it. Amen. Just because you make one fall down, when your children learn how to walk as a little bitty baby, when they learn how to walk and they fall down, do you throw them in the garbage heap and say, you're no good, can't do anything with you? Well, I know, that's ridiculous. But you pick them up and you hold them and say, did you hurt yourself? And you brush it off, even if they was climbing on the table to get some cookies out of the cookie jar and you told them not to. You'd pick them up. And then after you saw that they were all right, you might give them a few licks on the bottom and say, I told you not to get up there. And you'd set them down and try to get them to walk some more. That's God with us, children. Don't you see? He loves us. He adores us. He cares for us. He wants us to put him on and not the world. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ because you're not your own. There's a message in itself. 
you are the temple of God. Just to give you a little brief rendition of it, how do you take care of that temple? Mm -hmm. Do you sweep it clean? Do you give it a bath every day? Do you clean out the holy place? Do you pray and read your scriptures? Do you brush out all the malice and envy and strife? Do you clean up your heart? How do you take care of your body? Naturally and physically. Spiritually. How do you take care of your body? Because it's not yours anymore. It's the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't you ever, ever take him off. It means heaven or hell. It's your decision. Praise the Lord. 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 Praise the